I am the butler at Downton. My name is Carson. How do you do, Mr. Carson? Carson is the link, obviously, because he's the one who moves most freely between upstairs and downstairs. He rules the roost downstairs. Mr. Mosley, shall I ask them to come down here and help themselves? Sorry, Mr. Carson. Mr. Mosley thought we might need more milk. Well, get it then. And he, he's an important part of the partnership upstairs. Morning, Carson. Good morning, my lord. And I oversee everything, really. The, the discipline of the house. <coughs> the tone of the house. What is going on here? At a time like this of sober dignity. Have you lost all sense of shame and propriety, sir? What makes you think you're the stuff of a first footman? Mr. Carson, he was the... Silence. One... When... Carson comes into the servants' hall. All the servants have to stand. Might I have a word? He's, he's the captain of the ship, really. Don't envy me, Mrs. Hughes. You know what they say? Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. I've had a letter from my sister asking after a job for her son. And... Miss O'Brien, we are about to host a society wedding. I have no time for training young hobbledehoys. Basically, he's in charge of all the male staff. What do you mean you'll have to think about it? What I say? I didn't mind helping you out when you were short-staffed. How good of you. But to accept a permanent position as a footman... I'm a trained valet, Mr. Carr. I'm a trained butler. To accept my fall by taking a, a permanent inferior place. You keep telling me it's permanent, but from where I'm sitting, it's looking less permanent by the minute. There were two candidates when it came down to it. One was steady, but not much else. But the ladies downstairs want the other one. Why is that? I don't know precisely, unless it's because he's more handsome. Of course it's because he's more handsome. Oh, do pick him, Carson, and cheer us all up a bit. Alfred's nice, but he does look like a puppy who's been rescued from a puddle. I'm the guardian of the traditions, uh, really self-appointed. You're too tall to be a footman. No footman should be over six foot one. And our job as staff is to make life upstairs perfect. A bouillon spoon. But I thought soup spoons were the same as tablespoons. Ah, so they are, but not for bouillon, which is drunk from a smaller dish. He's the keeper of the flame, yes, in terms of the rules. You do this when the Duke comes and you address a Duchess like that. On a night like tonight, he should act as a third footman. As it is, my lord, we may have to have a maid in the dining room. Cheer up, Carson. There are worse things happening in the world. Not worse than a maid serving a Duke. The footmen have to be perfectly attired and perfectly upright. Gloves, Mr. Carson? I'm sorry, Mr. Molesley. You are not the butler here. That is my job. You are a footman, and a footman wears gloves. It, every, everything is done with a, a theatricality. Mrs. Hughes, there don't seem to be any glasses laid for the pudding wine. Oh, are they having one tonight? It's on the menus. I don't write them for my own amusement. Very, very snobbish, very class-ridden, very traditional. Well, won't it bring home rule for Southern Ireland nearer? Home rule on English terms presided over by an English king. Who's keeping the monarchy a problem? Would it be a problem for you to be ruled by the German Kaiser? This is the sound of an asthma attack. That doesn't happen. This is the sound of better breathing. Carson, you're right. 
I've been very clumsy, my lord. I do apologise. I mean, introducing politics to the dinner table. Oh, shocking. It's a lot he, he doesn't approve of, but very rarely does he show his disapproval. Of course, if Mrs. Patmore wants to spend her time frolicking with prostitutes. Do I look like a frolicker? May I ask who is expected at this precious luncheon? Her ladyship, the young ladies, and the dowager. You have allowed a woman of the streets to wait at table on members of our family. Oh, I am speechless. You mustn't take it personally. Oh, I do take it personally, Mrs. Hughes. I can't stand by and watch our family threatened with the loss of all they hold dear. They are not our family. Well, they're all the family I've got. They are his family, Lord Grantham's, the, uh, the, the father upstairs, I'm the father downstairs. And uh, there was a lovely scene when Carson's sitting with Mrs. Hughes and talking about Lady Mary when she was about five years old. I remember once she came in here, she's got to be more than four or five years old. She said, Mr. Carson, I've decided to run away and I wonder if I might take some of the silver to sell. <laughs> Well, I said, that could be awkward for his lordship. I suppose I give you sixpence to spend in the village instead. Very well, says she, but you must be sure to charge me interest. <laughs> and did you? She gave me a kiss in full payment. These little ones, particularly Lady Mary, the firstborn, were his surrogate children and there is that special relationship with lady mary you've always been so kind to me always from when i was quite a little girl why is that even a butler has his favorites my lady there are moments with carson that she breaks down when she can't cope with matthew's death anymore <laughs> Carson, who boosts her ego when she needs it, gives boosts her confidence when she needs it. If I might be permitted to say so, he wasn't good enough for you, my lady. I watched you realize it as time went on, reluctantly, perhaps, but you came to see that he wasn't up to the mark. I'm not sure if that's alarming or reassuring, coming from someone who knows me so well. Reassuring, I hope, for I'm confident that you will triumph in the end. Thank you, Carson. That means more to me than you know. If I touch it, will I get a shock? You'll only get a shock if you listen to it. I think it's exciting. We're catching up, Mr. Carson. Whether you like it or not, Downton is catching up with the times we live in. That is exactly what I am afraid of. For Carson, holding back the tide of history is very important, you know. Oh, please, let it stay, everything stay in 1880. Nor you, nor I can hold back time. Unfortunately. He resists all the time, but of course he, he has to give in to it, so telephones arrive. Hello? This is Downton Abbey. Carson the butler speaking. <clears throat> Hello, this is Mr. Carson, the butler of Downton Abbey. <laughs> to whom am I speaking? Toast has arrived. What in God's name is it? 
electric toaster. Hair dryer's arrived. It's heavy, isn't it? Lord in heaven. What's that now? Maids want to work in shops and live in villages. Both the housemaids have handed in their notice. Were they unhappy? I hope not. No, no, no. One is leaving to get married, which we knew was coming, and Madge has found a job in a shop. Everyone else knows those days are numbered. But Carson doesn't. We may be Yorkshiremen, but we do know a little of life in the city. Hello? Uh, is anyone there? I think this is where we're supposed to be. Carson's as, as liberal as Genghis Khan, really. <laughs> I mean, he's outraged by Thomas's sexuality. I don't need to tell you that this is a criminal offence. We hadn't done anything. But you were hoping to do something if Alfred hadn't come in. It's not against the law to hope, is it? Don't you get clever with me when you should be horsewhipped. The chauffeur uh, marrying a lady is, is just outrageous. Lady Sybil and I are getting married. Have you no shame? You're a good man. But no, I have no shame. In fact, I have great pride in the love of that young woman and I will strive to be worthy of it. I will not disgrace myself by discussing the topic, nor will anyone else. I bid you all a good day. Is it really true? Please. I have asked for silence, <laughs> and silence I will have. He bends to it in the end. He has to. You can't stand like King Canute trying to hold back history and progress, because you'll just get drowned. My mother-in-law has been kind enough to invite you to stay and dine, and I'll not let you snubber. Now get a move on. I know. You always said he would bring shame on this house. No, Mrs. Hughes. For once, I will hold my tongue. I thought Mr. Branson's respect for her ladyship's invitation exemplary. Your mattress should... Good night, Mrs. Hughes. Good night, Mr. Carson. The romance between Carson and Mrs. Hughes, it was obvious from very early on that there was an affection there. And just when we thought we were getting back to normal. Don't tell me you'll miss me. I will, Mr. Carson. Very much. And it costs me nothing to say it. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I'm the only person she can probably relax with, and I, she's the only person I can relax with, so we can slightly unburden to each other. Do you find me very ridiculous, Mrs. Hughes? Putting on airs and graces I've no right to. What's brought this on? Nothing. Except at times I wonder if I'm just a sad old fool. Mr. Carson, you are a man of integrity and honour. Who raises the tone of this household by being part of it. There was worries about her health, and um, just quietly you just saw moments that Carson was sort of concerned about her. I just don't want you to get tired. Who have you been speaking to? No one. What do you mean? Nothing. So he was obviously incredibly relieved and delighted uh, to see that she was well. Is it or isn't it? It's not cancer, no. It's a benign something or other, nothing more. <sighs> and then we just see the, the chink in the doorway with him uncharacteristically 
singing in a perky way. Dashing away with a smoothing iron, dashing away with a smoothing iron, dashing away with a smoothing iron, she stole my heart away. Yeah, Mrs. Hughes saw that moment and saw that little, again, that's a little chink into the private world uh, that we get a glimpse of. And there's a little bit of uh, gentle humour between the two. But if I get my trousers wet... If you get them wet, we'll dry them. Suppose I fall over. Suppose a bomb goes off. Suppose we're hit by a falling star. You can hold my hand. Then we'll both go in together. I think I will hold your hand. It'll make me feel a bit steadier. You can always hold my hand if you need to feel steady. I don't know how, but you managed to make that sound a little risque. <laughs> we held hands and walked into the sea romantically at the end of series four. We got together with the, the speed of Galapagos tortoises, you know, heading slowly towards each other. For God's sake, don't miss. Suppose you want to move away and change your life entirely. You don't want to be stuck with me. But that's the point. What is? I do want to be stuck with you. I'm not convinced I can be hearing this right. You are, if you think I'm asking you to marry me. You can knock me down with a feather. You can take as long as you like. I won't press you. Because one thing I do know, I'm not marrying anyone else. Of course I'll marry you, you old booby. I thought you'd never ask. Of necessity, you had to go at a slow pace, really, because I think it would have raised unnecessary complications. Oh, it's not good. I shall have to look away. You see, she is a very proud woman, Mr. Carson. I know that, and I respect her for it. And she would never want to appear ridiculous in your eyes. Nor could she. No, but as your wife, she wonders if you would expect... But she perform her wifely duties. Don't wives normally perform their duties? Good wives, anyhow. Yes, that's it. I think we've got there. I do believe we have. To openly declare his love, A, to say it to Mrs. Patmore, and then B, to, to openly declare sort of a full-hearted love and, and a desire for a full marriage was quite, quite strong stuff for him, really. Well, what am I to tell her? Tell her this, Mrs. Patmore, that in my eyes, she is beautiful. I mean, God, he must have been blushing inside. I love her, Mrs. Patmore. I am happy and tickled and bursting with pride that she would agree to be my wife. And I want us to live as closely as two people can for the time that remains to us on Earth. So it's quite nice that the feelings were just... He just wanted a, an easy companionship. He wants a, a full and romantic marriage. And, oh, there is a bit of real romantic in there. With this ring, I thee wed. With my body, I thee worship. And with all my...
buy worldly goods by the end out. The butler and the housekeeper couldn't get married. They were bachelors and spinsters, so that's why it's so unusual that Carson and Mrs. Hughes moved towards each other. Ah, Mrs. Hughes. You don't think maybe you should start calling me Elsie? Not here. Not while we're working. You know, we, we've led a life of... Uh, so sort of similar privilege to the people upstairs. I mean, Carson had, um, you know, one of the hall boys would have helped dress him sort of with the collar studs and, and the bow ties and things. So we've almost had staff serving us. So thrown together in a cottage, of course, it's domestic mayhem. Uh, are these done enough? Yes. Shall I fetch the vegetables? This plate's cold, which is a pity. With all the enlightened views of the time, I expect to be looked after. This knife could do with sharpening. Mrs. Hughes thinks, A, she, she's not very good at it, and B, she's bugger that she's going to do it. Mrs. Patmore put on a bandage, but I'll go to the doctor in the morning if it's no better. <laughs> How are you going to cook? I can't cook. I can't lift. But it's not difficult. I'll talk you through it. Don't worry. You mean... I'm going to cook? It's very straightforward. <laughs> Mayhem ensues. I'm sorry, I'm a bit behind. The potatoes may have caught. Never mind. Uh, how's the cornflower? God, I, I would imagine in reality they, they would have spent as much time as possible eating up at the big house and eating at the cottage as little as possible because, as we see, eating at the cottage is a minefield. Yes. Oh, while you're there, put in the apple crumble. Bottom oven. I bet they end up living like students, living on toast. <laughs> oh, crumble. Oh, is that it now? Are we done? Known that his greeting could lose its enthusiasm, that her coat could lose its shine, or that the smallest change. This was at the back door. Thank you, William. down to the village. Some travelling salesmen set up at the pub for the afternoon. Alone at last? We shouldn't be without both footmen. Does Mr Carson know? Mrs Hughes does. She's gone with them. They won't be long. 
So, you see to the girls, and you're supposed to be head housemaid. You should put in for a raise. What do you mean, supposed to be? Sorry to have kept you waiting, sir. I'm here to see Lord Grantham. Is he expecting you? No. But he'll be very interested in what I have to tell him. His lordship is not at home, but if you will leave your name. Ah, don't come all high and mighty with me. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but you're certainly not the butler, so don't try and make out you are. How do you know? Because Charlie Carson's the butler around here. Does your business concern him? It might do. Excuse me for one moment, sir. Fetch Mr. Carson as fast as you can. Use the front door. If you would like to follow me, sir. No, no. If you think you're tucking me away somewhere, you've got another thing coming. You'll be more comfortable, sir. Sorry, John. waiting in here.
crime, of which he is, of course, guilty. Yes, He threatened to expose my past to make me a laughing stock in this house. And in my vanity and pride, I gave him what he wanted. <laughs> you did not. I put him in an empty cottage and fed him from the kitchens. I couldn't buy food in the village. It raised too many questions. I stole. I'm a thief. She saw it. I'd never have said anything. And now my disgrace is complete. My lord, you have my resignation. Really, Carson, there's no need to be quite so melodramatic. You're not playing Sidney Carton. So why have you come here, if he has done everything you asked of him? Because he hasn't. <sighs> he wouldn't give me any money. If I had, how could I prevent his returning to Downton once it was spent? <clears throat> My dear Mr. Green. Oh, nice to see someone round here has got some manners. Hold your tongue. I'll tell you what is going to happen. When I have given you £20, you will leave Downton immediately, and we will never set eyes on you again. I'll have to see about that. If you return to this area, I will personally ensure your conviction for theft and blackmail. Just a minute. You will serve from five to ten years in His Majesty's custody. You think you're such a big man, don't you? <laughs> Just because you're a lord, you think you can do what you like with me? I think it... because it is true. You'll not always be in charge, you know. The day is coming when your lot will have to tell the line just like the rest of us. Perhaps. But happily for Carson, that day has not come yet. I take it my resignation has not been accepted. My dear fellow, we all have chapters we would rather keep unpublished. <laughs> To be honest, Carson, I'm rather impressed. Did you really sing and dance and everything in front of an audience? I did. Do you ever miss it? Not in the least, my lord. Discover the pros of floor and decor, where you'll find everyday low prices on over a million square feet of in-stock floor. John Bates is the first character we see in the opening scene of episode one. The way into his house was this mysterious character who is on his way to this ground house on a steam train. Hello? I'm John Bates, the new valet. The new valet? That's right. John Bates is a military man. 
He is from an Irish-Scottish background. He was injured in the Boer War, fighting alongside Lord Ransom. He was taken on as an employee of, of the House, largely out of a sense of duty from Lord Grantham. What happened? Oh, it's only the old wound. A shrapnel got left in or something and it moved, but it's fine. It's not a problem. And you'd let me know if you felt it was all too much for you? I would. And when he joined the staff of Downton Abbey, it became quickly apparent that it wasn't quite up to what was required. Mr. Betts, could you hand me that tray? And in the first episode, Bates very nearly leaves because he's not fit for purpose. The plain fact is, Mr. Bates, through no fault of his own, is not able to fulfill the extra duties expected of him. Bates knew that um, inevitably that would mean the workhouse for a lame man, in, you know, at that age. And um, this was his last chance. And I am very eager to stay alone. Very eager indeed. I mean to help until you find something. I couldn't take your money, my lord. I can take wages for a job done, that's all. Without pleading or without begging or without, without um, reams of dialogue, we can convey a lot. Very good, my lord. Well, Grantham saved his life by the simple act of employing him. Wait! Get out, Bates. Get back inside. We'll say no more about it. Please sit, sit, everyone. I just want to say a quick hello to my old comrade in arms. Bates, my dear man. Welcome to Downton. Thank you, sir. I'm so sorry to have disturbed you all. Please forgive me. to give me orders. You mean she mistook you for a servant? But he is a servant. Don't tell him that. He'll never get over this shock. <laughs> How are you settling in? Very well, I think. Unless your lordship feels differently. Bates is Lord Grantham's valet. He's there to serve as his requirements in whatever way is necessary. I nearly put out the new dinner jacket, my lord, but then Mr. Carson said the dowager was dining here. 
quite right. Mustn't frighten the horses. Bates, especially in the first three series, confesses and opens up more to uh, Lord Grantham than he does to anybody else. Is something wrong between you? Yes. But I don't know what it is. She says it's nothing I've done, but how can I believe that? Must be my fault because she is incapable of fault. I don't know what to do. The damage cannot be irreparable when a man and a woman love each other as much as you do. My goodness, that was strong talk for an Englishman. For some reason, they could say things to each other in a very contained, uh, very British, very stiff way. They could convey so much to each other. Will you come back with me and help me through the veil of shadow? It's not what I expected, my lord, but I will, if you want me to. I misjudged you, Bates, and I abused you when we parted. I should have had more faith. I'm sorry. God knows you've shown more faith in me than I'd have any right to. Alone at last. Despite his unpopularity amongst the downstairs staff, Bates's arrival was welcomed by Lady's maid, Anna May Smith. When he's first introduced, there's just one moment where Bates walks past Anna and they just look at each other and she just smiles at him. It's not a smile of pity. It's a smile of two humans who just connect very gently. When Mr. Bates is told that he's, that he's going to leave, Anna takes him a tray up to his room. He's obviously quite upset. Mr. Bates, are you there? They don't even know each other. They've, I don't think they've even had a conversation. There's a dynamic in those early scenes, if you look at them for me, which, which I love. I'm ever so sorry you're going. Are we all right? Tell us when you're fixed. Just drop us a line. Else I'll worry. Well, we can't have that. And I thought that was so touching, the way it was written, and we both really enjoyed doing that scene. That was one of our first kind of big scenes together. Sad to think about. It's always sad. You love someone who doesn't love you back, no matter who you are. He doesn't think he's worthy of love. He, he certainly doesn't think this beautiful young woman is going to be a potential partner. Nice girl, that Anna. Do you know if she's got anyone special in her life? I'm afraid there is someone. Do you think he's keen on her, or is it worth a go? Well, he keeps himself to himself. It's very hard to read at times, but I'd say he's keen. I'd say he's very keen indeed. That very tender and protracted development between friendship to intimacy to love, it was so delicately done i love you mr bates i know it's not ladylike to say it but i'm not a lady and i don't pretend to be you are a lady to me and i never knew a finer one look at anna she never said she could reel <laughs> bates did you know no my lady i never knew 
palavras. Given a statement that'll clear him. At least, 
Um, Mr. Murray says it will make the verdict unsafe. So Mr. Bates is coming back to Downton. Welcome back, Mr. Bates. I have waited a long time to say that. Thank you, Mr. Carson. After his exoneration, Mr. Bates was finally given a glimpse of happiness with his new wife. Beer? That's very racy of you. I am racy. <laughs> what shall we drink to? The future. Until the arrival of Lord Gillingham's valet, Mr. Green. You look to me like you could use a bit of real fun for once. Is that what you want? What I want is to go back upstairs. You're not telling me that sad old cripple keeps you happy. If you must know, yes. He keeps me very happy. Now let me by, please. Perhaps you've forgotten what you're missing. <laughs> Something wasn't right, but I didn't know what happened. <laughs> What's the matter? Nothing. I just feel like walking on my own, that's all. That was a really interesting period of time because we didn't know how much Bates knew. And based on how much he did know, what would he do? And those scenes with Anna, he's not at his best. Come here. Better get on. Kiss me, please. Or tell me what's happened, one or the other. Don't bully me. I know you were upset. You were unhappy, and I don't know why. You say it's not me. Well, I hope that's true, but there is a reason, and I need to find out what it is. It was really, really interesting to play. I know. I know what happened. Mrs. Hughes told me I forced her to. Then she was very wrong. It wasn't her secret to tell. I gave her no choice, Anna. She said a man broke in and was waiting down here for you, a stranger. That's right. Because if it was the valets, he is a dead man. We knew Bates had this darkness within him. We knew if he was aware of the whole facts, anything was possible. Could Bates have killed this man? Yes, he would. Green? But how can he be dead? Well, I'm only telling you what they told me. That he was in Piccadilly and he... slipped or stumbled. Fell into the road. I don't know what to say. When he was killed, this man... Bates, of course, was the prime suspect. I bought a return ticket to London. I planned to get there and back in the same day. I went onto the platform, but I never got onto the train. Why not? Because I knew if I saw him, I would have killed him. And if I killed him, I would hang. I couldn't do that to you. <sighs> Thank God. The next day when I heard what happened, it was like the hand of fate. I'm really into introducing a little bit of darkness, a little bit of threat, a bit of danger. That was a brilliant storyline. And, um, Joe, she's such an extraordinary actor. Bad as it sounds, I am so happy. 
the whole green nightmare is gone, God, and then everything becomes quite pedestrian for debates, quite frankly, for um, most of Series 6. You're not. Too early to tell. Lord knows the problem isn't Bates. <laughs> Honestly, my lady, if I repeated some of the things you say downstairs... Should you be working? I can manage and there's always Baxter. And it ends with us having a dream ending. Are you really happy? I'm happier than I've ever been. Happy, impatient, excited. Don't say too much. It frightens me. We've still got months. Nothing will go wrong. They become parents. They become very, very happy. I am a father and I have a son. We have a son, John. And, uh, yeah, it was magical, magical.